Hello, and thanks for listening to the Fear the Phoenix podcast. We're back again. It's been three weeks since we last recorded, right after Green Bay season ended in the Horizon League tournament, and a little over a week since Sundance Wicks was announced as the new head coach of the Phoenix. So let's talk about the new head man and what it all means. I'm Brian Dickman. I've got my guy Jim Cerro here with me as well. Jim, how are you doing on this wonderful March day? I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for asking. And uh, as we sit here, getting ready to talk about the new coach, that's with a lot of optimism and excitement. And I'm having a little beer and getting ready to talk Phoenix basketball. A little fun fact about me, Brian, I only drink when I talk about Phoenix basketball, but I talk about Phoenix basketball every day. (laughs) There you go. When you phrase it like that, it doesn't sound like a bad thing. So. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe it was only three weeks ago when, when uh, Green Bay season ended at Wright State, but a lot has changed since then. Of course, the Phoenix have been looking for a head coach since the end of January, but the search really heated up once the calendar flipped to March. The candidate pool is reportedly whittled down to five candidates, according to Scott Vency. That was former UWGB player and San Jose, assist- San Jose State assistant coach Ben Johnson, former Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati head coach John Brannon, Hillsdale head coach John Tharp, radio show host and TV analyst Doug Gottlieb, and Wyoming assistant Sundance Wicks. So, Jim, we touched on two of these five, uh, Brannon and Tharp, the last time we talked, but what are your thoughts on, I guess, first of all, the overall list of finalists, and really what do you think it was that put Wicks over the top at the end of the day? Well, yeah, it's definitely an interesting list of uh, people. And when you think about the people we talked about on the last podcast, you know, there was whispers prior to that that uh, Doug Gottlieb had expressed some interest and was, you know, a potential candidate. Um, you know, and as he kind of stated on his podcast, though, there were also whispers that he wasn't necessarily going to, uh, I wouldn't say do the job full time, but he was going to need to take time every day to do his radio show. And so there was, you know, some of that was uh, floating around out there. And, um, so he's an outside the box candidate with an outside the box style. Uh, and in the end, that's probably a little bit more risky than what Green Bay needed at this point in time. Like, yeah, they needed yeah. a splash and they need to rejuvenate, you know, the, the public, but they also need somebody who's, you know, going to go at this 24 seven, 365. Um, you know, it's kind of my, my feeling. And then obviously coach. Johnson has a long history in Green Bay as a player and a coach and just, you know, a, a legacy to uh, a really great era of Phoenix basketball. Um, you know, so I can understand why he was in the pool too. 
And we didn't talk about Coach Wicks on the last call. And I think at the, you know, at that time, you know, that was another name that had been floating out there for a while. It's on the message board, somebody who clearly knows uh, Coach Wicks had posted that he was interested and was in contention and seemed to have a good pulse on uh, his status. And, yeah, at the time, you know, when you're thinking about what the program needed, you know, coming off of a three-win season, you're thinking just – I was thinking straight Ws. Like, I was – I'm not going to lie. I was thinking, oh, it's got to be Coach Brandon, right? Like, the guy's been to the NCAA tournament twice. He, you know, won the American Athletic Conference with Cincinnati. He's going to be the guy who can get Ws. But I think in the end there was a lot more compelling things beyond that that the program needs that Coach Wicks could really bring to the table. And that's why, you know, I think – People maybe didn't see him as initially as strong as a candidate, uh, you know, maybe why we didn't cover him as much on the, on the previous podcast because you know, we weren't fully educated on what it is that he does bring to the table. Yeah, yeah, you know, I really thought they were going to go the established head coach route. Like, I, I know I mentioned uh, J.R. Blunt as, as my guy, but, you know, even then I, I thought Brandon was going to be the pick and maybe to a, a lesser extent Tharp just because those guys have won. To varying degrees, obviously, but, um, you know, Brandon has won. He's been to the NCAA tournament at the Division One level. You know, even coming out of the Horizon League, um, you know, Tharp has won in Division Three, a little bit of success in Division Two. So, I mean, with that in mind, my initial reaction to Wicks was, was a little mixed, I'll be honest. But, you know, that was just me thinking, you know, let's get a proven winner in here, get the program back on track. Fans will show up if if the program is winning. But, you know, Josh Moon kind of said all along in multiple interviews that the guy he's going to hire is going to have to be someone that can engage, uh, engage with the community. So I believe he had a quote where he said, you know, basically 50% of the new coach's time needs to be spent fundraising and getting to know people and, and building relationships. So, you know, it needed to be somebody who's going to come in and be more than a basketball coach, really. They need that, you know, salesman, hype man type kind of guy and uh, Sonny Wicks, you know, sure is that. So, um, you know, but he has earned his stripes on the coaching side as well. I mean, he's got plenty of mid-major assistant experience at um, Northern Illinois and San Francisco experience uh, recruiting the Midwest and, and Chicago. So, I, I mean, just take a look at Wyoming's roster from this past season. It's probably not a coincidence. There's a bunch of Illinois guys on the roster, but uh, you know, another thing I think that, uh, you know, a box that was checked for, for Sonny Wicks was, you know, Josh Moon had mentioned in one of those interviews back in January that, um, you know, Green Bay needs to land these Division Two guys that are looking to transfer up, you know, guys who, who kicked ass in D2, basically, and now they're looking to move up, kind of like how, you know, if somebody kicks ass at the mid-major level, they want to go to a Power 5 school. So, I mean, um, Sonny Wicks is a guy who can definitely speak that language of a Division two guy because he, you know, he played at that level. He's coached at that level as a assistant and as a head coach. So, um, you know, he does have head coach experience too. I mean, you know, it's not like he's, he's never been a head coach before. So um, I, I think Ryan, he does, he checks a lot of boxes. He does. And I think I'm going to correct you on something, uh, not to be that guy, but he said he connect on that, you know, D two level. I'm a thousand percent convinced that Sonny Wicks can connect with anybody. <laughs> so, uh, he's, <laughs> That's he's true. NAI, he wanted, no matter where you're coming from, I feel like this is a guy that has, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, a, a, just a, a really good gift of communication with people. And, you know, 
I think that that's going to go a long way in the recruiting front. You mentioned uh, the Wyoming roster had players from Illinois. I think that's super important. Uh, obviously, we want to get the top players from Wisconsin uh, whenever we can. But one of the calling cards for the program and where some of the best players have come from has definitely been Illinois. If you think in the Coach Wardle era, we had really great success recruiting the state of Illinois. Some of the better players were from Illinois. Uh, Coach Darner, he had some nice players from the state of Illinois. You know, Khalil Smalls from Illinois and Warren Jones from Illinois. Um, Charles Cooper was from Gary, just on the other side of the uh, border from Illinois. You had uh, some sec- some strong players come from Illinois. Um, Coach Wicks had at Missouri Western, he had some players from Illinois there that were, you know, impact players for him. So he's definitely been able to get, you know, he built those ties from his time at Northern Illinois and has definitely retained those, even though he's been gone from Northern Illinois for over a decade, I think. So it's definitely, you know, refreshing to see that he's going to be able to recruit uh, the state of Illinois at a high level and get some of those players, whether they're coming from D2 or D1. Uh, I feel like we're in a really good hands that way in terms of getting those players again. So that's a really big thing because at the end of the day, it's the old saying that, you know, if your Johnnies are better than my Joes, uh, your Johnnies are going to win more games. And, uh, you know, you don't have to always be you know, the most innovative coach if you have a really, really great uh, team. I heard Wicks one time say in an interview, uh, he had said, I'm a better coach and I have better players. And he was, you know, he seems humble enough that he wasn't saying he wasn't a good coach. He was just saying, like, hey, it makes it easier when you have got the guys. When you have, you know, <laughs> we talk about this. You got some dudes, you know, and you see in the NCAA tournament, like, look at some of the teams that are still going in the Sweet 16 round here. Um, you know, Houston, as an example, they have, they have some dudes. They have some grown men. San Diego State, some grown men. Um, you know, it helps overcome a lot when you have really great players. Yeah. And I've seen some people on Twitter um, kind of poo-pooing his head coaching record at when he was at Missouri Western for for those two years. And, you know, for me, it's kind of like, you know, Missouri Western is not exactly a, a basketball powerhouse. I mean, if, if you look into it, he, he took a six-win team and he got them to 12 and 18 in his first season. So he doubled their win total. I mean, and that doesn't really sound like a lot, but this is a program that had only won 12 games twice in the seven years prior to that. So um, it got them to 18 and 14 in his second season, which was the most wins for that program in a decade. So, I mean, he did some good things in a small sample size during his time as a head coach. So I, I do think it is important that he, he has that, you know, head coaching experience. You know, what really stood out to me about his head coaching record um, you know, in year one, and I, you know, feel free to fact check me on this, but I had the uh, home record in his first year at two and nine, and in year two, their home record on their website was uh, twelve and one. And if you think about, you know, in college basketball, you have to protect your house. You just, you just have to win at home. And one of the things I think is kind of like, you know, when you say, well, why Sonny Wicks? This is a guy who I feel really strongly about is going to be able to get, you know, the people to come to the game and not just sit on their hands, but to get going. Like, you know, some of the video clips that they had from Missouri Western of home games, like, you know, they had like people with their cell phone, they had the lights out with people's cell phones on, you know, waving around with the lights, you know, going, or the, you know, the yeah. going, you know, it's just simple things like that where you start to get that buzz, you start to get that excitement. And some of the interviews he's done uh, yesterday, you know, for local TV, he was talking about that, get that excitement, that, 
you know, anxiety in your stomach when you come into the game, like, you know, feeling good about going to the game. You think about if you have a really great student section that is, you know, going bananas. And, you know, Brian, I know that you, based on some of the Twitter discussion of the last few weeks, you are definitely a, a buzzing home court is a good thing, especially in the conference <laughs> guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they, they, did that. They, they got their crowd into it. They rallied around the team and 12 and one at home. I mean, yeah, they're only four and eight on the road. So that means there's some work to do on that side. But, you know, if, <laughs> if you had told me next season or two seasons from now when he's got people, his guys in here and everybody's on the same page, the existing guys plus the new guys are all on the same page. You tell me we're going to win, you know, 12 or 13 home games. I'm going to tell you we're going to have a good season. And so I, I feel like another feather in his cap is just going to have that excitement around the team and the crowd's going to care. That's just going to be there. They're going to be engaged, and there's a difference. Are you, you know, are you present or are you, you know, actively involved? And uh, I feel like he's going to get people actively involved. So something that stood out to me on the, on the records. Yeah, yeah, and they they play in a pretty tough league too with um, Northeast Northwest Missouri State, I should say, that wins so, the title every year. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't we don't talk about that. <laughs> so, but anyway, let's talk about. Uh, Sonny's style, both, you know, on the court, off the court, you know, we've already seen it kind of his, you know, I think Josh Moon had a quote where, you know, his, his energy is out of this world or something like that. And, you know, you've already seen that with how he's been at those, uh, two WNIT games at the Crest Center. And you kind of touched on the interviews he's done already with, with the local media and, the uh the halftime interview he did with Ted Stefaniak the other day you know his his style just you know as like a personal his style is something that i think is going to be contagious it's going to get people excited and hopefully be able to you know help land some good players too yeah you know something that stood out to me you know not just about the style well you know style of play cuz i had a chance to listen to him speak and then I actually, you know, prior to him getting the job, I, I did a lot of, uh, you know, I listened to several podcasts that he was on. I watched every video. I and mean, this is going to sound crazy, but, you know, whatever. It's, we're amongst being friends here. I, can, I, I watched every interview I could find on, on uh, Twitter or on, you know, YouTube. I watched the game that he coached against uh, uh, New Mexico in the Mountain West tournament where he was the head coach. And from a, you know, style standpoint, um, he had kind of shared some things and, you know, when we get him on the podcast here in the coming weeks, well, I'll let him use his terminology because it's actually, it's very compelling and it's very relatable, the terms that he uses. But, you know, some of the things that, you know, I took away from the Zoom call I was on with him, um, you know, everything was about winning and that they were going to, uh, you know, adjust their style to the players that they had. So it wasn't going to be, you know, this idea of like, okay, well, we run one offense and if that offense isn't going to work against the team's defense, we're just screwed. It was like, okay, we're going to figure out how to adjust to what we're doing. And when you watch that game, you watch any Wyoming game for that matter, they had a really dynamic player on the team named Hunter Maldonado. And they worked really hard to get uh, Maldonado in positions to exploit the fact that he's the best player on the court in most games. And uh, I think if we get the right kind of players here in Green Bay, you're going to see, you know, you're, you're, Everybody plays some, almost everybody plays some form of motion offense at some point in time in the game. But then you're going to also see, you know, some activity to say, look, 
the best player doesn't have the best defender on him. How do we go and make sure that the best player is getting good looks at the basket? And, and that's what Wyoming was really good at was getting Maldonado in spots where he was scoring at will. Or, you know, part of that, it was Noah Reynolds was in a position where he could score, you know, get lots of looks and they were, you know, doing things to get him open, you know, putting the ball in his hands. So, uh, but Wicks was really talking a lot about, you know, having a style of play that people will like. Uh, and that's, um, you know, I think that's important, but I also think that at the end of the day, people just want to win. So, you know, figure out what style <laughs> work the kids and go from there. Yeah, no, you just, I dug up a couple of, of numbers from when he was the, the head coach at Missouri Western. And, um, you know, it, it is hard to tell because like you say, is he running what he wants or is he just running based on, on the kids that he has on the roster at that time? But, um, you know, his teams back then were, were slightly better offensively than they were defensively um, both years. They didn't really have uh, they didn't really hang their hat on the defensive end or the offensive end. Just kind of not a super efficient offensive team, but um, you know they played slightly above average as far as tempo goes, which will be kind of an interesting, um, I guess, return to like normal. I guess I would say when you think of Kowalczyk and, and Wardle eras here, those are pretty much you know. Middle of the road tempo. We're not playing super fast. We're not playing super slow, as opposed to when when Link Darner was here playing RP40, 100 miles an hour, and then um, the past three seasons were the exact opposite, really playing kind of slow ball. So uh, it'll be interesting to to see the re- a return to that. And then um, I just noted, you know, 44% of their shots were three point attempts, which a little bit above average, but. You know, nothing too crazy. This isn't um, Grinnell or anything like that. But, um, yeah, just a couple of notes from the numbers from his time at, uh, you know, super small sample size, but his two seasons as head coach at Missouri Western. Recently about, you know, players on offense, you're going to need every guy ideally can pass, handle, and shoot. Now, I know it sounds overly simplistic because that's, you know, the core elements of basketball, but that really goes a long way, especially, you know, if you're a big man can do some of those things because now you can't like help off of the, that guy, you know, the, the defense has to stay true to five players instead of, you know, leaving Jeff Hampiri and open in the corner or, you know, (laughs) but the friend of the pod. Yeah. (laughs) You get to put it on this pod than any other pod in the free world for that matter. But uh, my point is like, you got to have, you know, well-rounded players. He said, you know, he was really focused. He wanted to get that defense going. I think something that would be really refreshing to see when I think of the best, uh, Ryan Wardle team, they, to your point, Brian, they did not play at the fastest pace, but they got in transition a lot out of their defense. You know, they were looking to score quickly, but if they didn't have it, then they had to discipline to, you know, go into their secondary break or to set up their play and, you know, take their time to get a basket. But they were, you know, those teams were, getting steals and runouts, you know, whether it's Carrington Love or Kiefer Sykes or Jordan Faust. I mean, those guys were on the rim, you know, rocking the rim constantly. And I would just be, you know, I think it'd be a welcome change to see, you know, not just a desire to walk the ball up the court every possession, but to, you know, get that force, force turnovers and turn, turnovers in the offense. Because, you know, the last uh, year or two of Green Bay basketball, we really didn't see, a lot of transition baskets. We didn't see a lot of points off of turnovers in the you know, in many games. I mean, there were team, there were games this past season where guys got out in the break and like went up for a dunk and, you know, there was, I, I know because I can't dunk. This sounds like me diminishing it, but there were, I mean, there were times where guys went up for a dunk and couldn't get it 
you know, they took off on the wrong foot or they took off too early. I mean, we had just a really hard time scoring in transition this past season. And so hopefully that becomes part of what the team is doing, you know, creating turnovers and then running into offense a little bit, not running into offense every play, but running into their offense a little bit. That would be, I think, a, a style that people would be rece- uh, receptive to seeing. You know, in addition to style, Brian, something I took note of when I looked at the roster that he had at Missouri Western. So uh, the year before, the best player on the team scored 16 points per game and about five rebounds per game as a 6-6 forward. I believe the last name was Hightower. And then Coach Wicks came in, and that those numbers increased to 18.7 and 7.7 uh, points and rebounds, respectively, for you know when Hightower was a senior. But what was interesting is the next four guys that were you know came in in terms of productivity uh, were new. They had a transfer in, uh, a freshman, uh, I think his name was Tyree Carroll, and then a junior college player from California. And so. You know, they had pretty balanced scoring in that first year. The leading scores were 18, 15, 14, and 10. And then the next year, um, you know, a guy who was had scored 14 went to 17.7. A guy who had scored 10 went to 15.9. Um, you know, so they brought – and then they had a couple guys that they redshirted as freshmen uh, that came in as redshirt freshmen and, you know, scored 10 and 10 respectively. So something else I took note of from the Missouri Western time was one, guys got better statistically year over year. And two, uh, they had a relatively balanced scoring where you had, you know, four guys in double digits. Uh, that's something else that I think would be, you know, like, I'm all about putting stars in the place for stars to make star plays, but then you also have to have balance because if all you have is one guy, you know, the defense is going to, you know, load to that guy and make somebody else beat yeah. them. And that's one of the things that you notice, like, a Trey Calvin in this league. You can send two guys to Trey Calvin. He's still going to get his ball. You know, he's still going to get the ball in the basket. You can send, you know, multiple players at work has work, and he's still going to put the ball in the basket. But you have to have enough other guys that, you know, if you are able to slow the primary players down, the other players can still keep you in a game. And that stood out to me that players got better year over year, and they're relatively diversified. And in Green Bay's case, something that's going to be important, when I look at the second year where they won 18 games, they had, of their top five scorers, um, three of them were freshmen or redshirt freshmen. So um, that also, and one was a sophomore. So that kind of gives me some hope for Green Bay basketball. Uh, and as far as the record for Coach Wicks, 18 and 14, people might say, well, it's not that great. But he did leave that job on his own terms to take a different opportunity. But he definitely had things pointed in the right direction with some pieces and some guys that ended up having pretty good careers there. Um, so I take take note of that. Yeah. And I think uh, Detroit Mercy would probably be the best example of needing to have more than one guy. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, I guess so from here, you know, what does this program need? And obviously the answer would be everything, I guess, if, you, if you're looking at the roster. But, I mean, uh, you know, when you think about the things that this program needs the most urgently, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Well, the, on on the court, obviously, there's positional needs with you know their point guards in the in the portal need a point guard for sure, and then you know, need a rebounder that can you know rebound in traffic and above the rim. Uh, those would be two really big positional needs. But I, I feel really confident that with Coach Wicks and some of the people that are rumored to be on the coaching staff, that they're going to be able to get the players. 
So, and this is where it comes back to why, why Sundance Wicks? Why not John Brannon or somebody else? It's because on day one, they're drawing tremendous amounts of interest from people. You know, they need people. You know, they need people to care again about Green Bay basketball. They need, they need to be the kind of thing that people put on their calendar and then say, oh, I can't on Thursday night because I'm going to see Green Bay beat the crap out of Youngstown State. I can't on Saturday night because Milwaukee's in town. It's our turn to kick their butt again. That's the, you know, they need people. And when you have people carrying at a high level, then all other problems, you know, are going to be easier to fix. Because in the world that we live in today in college basketball, you know, having engaged people will lead to, you know, a fully funded, you know, nil collective. It will lead to people in the arena and making the arenas that Green Bay men's basketball play in harder to win a game at. I mean, it's no coincidence. Like UWM in the Horizon Tournament went to their on-campus um, well, gym, I guess would be the way to put it. <laughs> and they went to that arena, not because it's better than the Mecca or the uh, UWM Panther Arena. The Panther Arena is actually really nice. They went there because they could put 3,000 people in a 3,500-seat environment and create a home court. You need people. You need engaged people. You need people. You know, it's not just about checks. It's about you need, uh, I think as Ryan Borowitz said this in on a video that he put on Twitter, you know, Whatever your role is, we need you to play it. So, you know, that's what we need. And that's what Coach Wicks is here for. Because if we just hired a basketball coach, like somebody who would be really good with the on-court X's and O's and the recruiting, um, you know, we wouldn't bear any of that fruit and have any momentum until November at the earliest. And this program can't afford that right now. They need people. It's a call to action. You know, Sundance Wicks is a call to action for the people of <laughs> That's how I see it. But on the court, I mean, there's plenty of places where, you know, the roster has some nice players, but they don't have, you know, I think it's fair to say they don't have a stud. I mean, in terms of like, just here's our guy, here's our Hunter Maldonado. Um, what are you thinking they need, Brian? Like, what are some of the things that you jump out to you on the need side? Yeah, I did kind of the same thing that you did where it's like, you know, the roster is kind of, I mean, it, it's pretty self-explanatory. They need shooters. They need athletes, you know, to get better rebounding, to get better at, you know, defensively, to be able to, you know, get into passing lanes and things like that. But uh, as far as off the court, they've kind of already been doing a good job at it, but just more exposure. Um, I, I noted here, you know, they need to keep the media momentum going when the calendar is not in March and, you know, college basketball is on everyone's mind especially up in Green Bay cuz you know you're going pretty soon it's going to be the NFL draft and then it's then it's OTAs, you know, mini camp, training camp, you know, it's I I remember back, you know, when when I was in school, I think it was Todd Kowalczyk having a a regular TV show, you know, on Sunday nights on like Channel 5 or something after the news on Sunday nights. Um you know, Brian Wardle had re- uh, regular radio segments on, you know, not just on the fan, but I think he was on like top 40 stations like WIXX. He would, he would do a, a weekly hit on their morning show. So, I mean, just making sure to, to keep the program top of mind. And, you know, I'm sure that that's the plan, especially with a guy as outgoing and engaging as Sonny is, but just something that I really think, uh, you know, we need to get back to as a program, just being part of that overall, you know, fabric of the, of the, of the area. So. 
you know, it's something every time I'm up in Green Bay, for those that don't know, I don't live in Green Bay. I actually live in Milwaukee, but I'm at every home game. But every time I'm in Green Bay and I've got my Phoenix gear on, like people care. You know, people will ask me, oh, is there a game tonight or how's the team doing? People have an affinity for the program, but they've just kind of, you know, it's more of like, well, you know, if it's good, I'll, I'll maybe I'll go check it out. They're not like, it's not, you know, the only game in town. And so kind of having a guy that they can connect with and build that up. Like to your point, Brian, on WIXX, that's not sports talk. But if you have Coach Wicks on there every week, that's a guy who's just, he's just going to be able to talk like about current events yeah. and stuff. And people <laughs> like, I like this guy. I may go check out a game, you know? And so I, I kind of feel like getting back to having those, those kinds of things. And that's what he's been really good at. And, uh, he keeps kidding around on the Zoom call I was on about his workout that can basically study as a vampire and doesn't really sleep. And, uh, he just works <laughs> all day. And, uh, but I love that because then you've got a guy who can do, you know, do those kind of, those kind of pieces in the community and then still be getting to all the kids in terms of the recruiting and, and building out the roster and, and those kind of things. So I'm kind of a, kind of, I, I totally agree that keeping the media piece going and you're seeing like Green Bay's social media stuff has been really good. You know, they've done a ton of videos content with him in it. People need that. We live in a shareable world, and uh, we gotta have stuff that's shareable. Yeah, yeah. I go back to again one of those interviews that Josh Moon did back in January, where he he basically said we need to do a reset with the fans. So, and I think we're seeing that reset now, especially you know not just not just with with Sunny, but also with with GB, like you say, doing more videos and stuff like that. So I think it's been a, a good reset, and it's off to a pretty good start. So as far as the next steps go, Jim, I mean, first thing first, you got to fill out the coaching staff, fill out the roster, put together a non-conference schedule. It's it's kind of a daunting, uh, you know, next few weeks probably for Sonny. But, you know, what what's your what's on your agenda as far as, you know, the next steps for for what's going to happen here? Well, I know we are not supposed to talk about uh, players in particular and recruits and things of that nature. But I mean, number one with a bullet, there's the there's a really tall kid from Wyoming has long red hair, and that would look really great <laughs> around the court if for no other reason than just be pure awesomeness. So that's got to be point number one. Like, you know, forget about <laughs> the game at Kentucky or Duke. We need to get the guy with the long red hair on the court starting in the lineup next to Brock. That's that's point number one. I think that's what the people <laughs> want. Quite frankly, we gotta give the people what they want. Um, yep. But all kidding aside, you know. I'm sure the coaching staff is in place, but due to the process that the you know state has people going through and people needing to relocate and all that other stuff, it's not necessarily known. So I, I don't worry about putting the staff together so much, but you know, it is really truly understanding. And I thought Coach Wicks was, you know, while it's probably refreshing as fans to hear, it may be shocking for the players. He had kind of stated, you know, on the the interview with Ted Stefaniak that. You know, the players need to look at themselves and say, hey, we're here. You know, this this happened because of us, too. It's not just coaching. It's And so step number one is really identifying of the guys that are not in the portal already that have eligibility left. Which of these guys are a good fit? Because then you can start building around, you know, build the roster around that. And, you know, there are the interesting thing about the Green Bay roster. I don't think the roster is that bad. I really don't like. It's super inexperienced, 
but it was lacking like a marquee player. You know, it was lacking the Amari Davis type player or the PJ Pipes type player. But the other guys, there's plenty of other, you know, very solid D1 players on that roster. Some of them are still unproven. You have, you know, any of guys like, like, uh, you know, Don or Jack or, or Braden who, you know, probably are D1 players. Maybe they weren't D1 players last year at, you know, all every game, you know, but they were guys who you could look at and say they would be a contributor once they get developed and accustomed to the game. So it's got to be really challenging to figure out like, okay, of the however many players are left, which ones, you know, fit what he sees. And what sounds like what he sees isn't necessarily just from a skill standpoint, but also from a competitiveness. Like that's something I really, I really took away from Coach Wicks and I really thought was refreshing. Like there's a difference between playing, playing hard and competing. And competing is just the, I'm going to do everything and anything it takes to win. And um, guys got to, you know, I, I think guys play hard, but competing is a different level. So I, I'm figuring that out is probably step number one. And then, you know, going from there to fill out what the rest of the portal. Um, the cool thing for Green Bay with the portal this year is even though the team is really down, and even though the portal is super competitive, I was kind of kidding around with you guys today. There was a guy with came into the portal who was three points and three rebounds for a, a team out east, and he had 15 schools contacted. Like, so it's competitive in the portal. But mm-hmm. I just feel like a new start, it doesn't really matter. Like, when you look at the bones for Green Bay basketball, there's good bones here. And he's done a really good job of helping people understand, like, this is a winning program. Something you and I have talked about all the time. Like, this program's not crap. It had a down couple of seasons, but this program is not a bad program. And it has all the infrastructure in place that you really need. And they're working on some things that, again, these are, you know, not my, my things to share, but Coach Wicks had some ideas on how to, you know, really enhance the, you know, recruiting component through, through nil and, and how to really make sure guys are competitive, how we're competitive in that space. I really feel like they're going to get kids to round out what we have. Um, this is not a terrible program and having a fresh start will allow them to start like any other program. Like, you know, do you believe? Do you, do you believe in something you can't see or touch yet? Because it's easy to touch a title or a trophy when you've been winning them year after year if you're Northern Kentucky. It's harder for kids to see Green Bay and say, oh, they, they used to do that all the time, but can they do it again? And uh, he's going to find those kids that believe in I mean, we're going to be cooking with gas here. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote a little bit about that on uh, fearthephoenix.com today, just kind of threw those stats out there that, you know, this – just because he he did mention that in that interview with uh, with Ted Stefaniak that there's history there's tradition you know this is a program that's been in the top 100 of the net or the RPI more often than it's been above 200 which I think is you know a stat that needs to be thrown out there this is a a solid mid major program we just got to get back to that so yeah that that'll be probably the biggest you know hurdle will be filling out that roster. Currently, as we speak right now, at least two spots open, but um, you know that's a number that's probably going to go up just you know, after uh, Sonny's been you know on campus a little bit more and and talking to the current players a little bit more. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm also going to be interested in in uh, seeing what his non-conference scheduling philosophy is like. You know, 
something near and dear to your heart, Jim. I don't know if, if you've had the chance to have that conversation with him yet, but you know, Doug Gottlieb mentioned on his podcast that they're going to be doing at least three by games. He wanted to do five his first year if he would have got the job, but just it kind of be interesting to see what, what he, how he wants to set up the schedule. Yeah. I mean, I was actually, when Gottlieb said on his all ball podcast that they want to do three by games, I felt, I mean, I felt alive. I heard that. I was like, hey, <laughs> he heard all my complaining. <laughs> um, but all kidding aside, you know, I I know the league has different ideas on how to schedule for the 2023-2024 season, you know, with their quad one and quad two games. And unfortunately for a lot of schools, that means it's going to be, you know, more buy games because they're not going to be able to, Pay to get in some of the neutral site tournaments where they can get, or they might not be, you know, invited to some of the better neutral site tournaments where they could get a high major on a neutral floor, or they're not going to have the resources to do what, you know, Loyola or Gonzaga had done in the past where they, you know, played high majors in like Arizona or other, you know, cool neutral sites. Uh, but that's the things you have to do if you want to get those games, uh, because, you know, they're not coming, they're not trading, unless your dad is Rick Patino, you're not getting a, you know, mid-major, high-major kind of thing to happen, like, um, you know, in most cases, or you don't have a football game to trade, you're not going to get one of those high-majors to come to your school more often than not. Um, but, yeah, having three bye games with more home games and having some D1 home games, staying with that, you know, trying to make as many D1 games as possible, um, because all those metrics, all that, all that stuff, you know, efficiency, all that stuff, I, I say it all the time, there is no such thing as a inefficient loss, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> because at some level, the other team was less efficient than you. And so, you know, you, you just got to win basketball games. It really is all about winning basketball games. So scheduling in a way that you can win. Um, that's yeah. what it's going to take. Yeah, I agree. Scheduling D1 games that you can win because otherwise the, the metrics don't count. So, <laughs> Actually, but, um, I said this before, those non-D1 games, they, they actually hurt your metrics because I know they don't count, but then you're taking two or three, you know, in the old days, for we were taking two or three games out of the 31 that counted, and then we're taking our five by games and magnifying them into, you know, 28 games. Like, it made it worse. I, like, you know, you wrote in your article, there was a year where, Coach Darner was over 300 in the net ranking, I think, is what you – was a net or – 2018, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, the, it was the net. Yeah, but, you know, the thing is, like, those teams were never in the bottom 60 or 50 of D1 college basketball, but they played a, they, they played a schedule that made them look worse than they were. So you got to play games you can win. Um, you know, we've, we've heard some rumors. Obviously, it's not our place to share on some of the games. We've heard some rumors on where they're going to play. But, like, you know, getting one of those mid-major neutral tournaments and then win some games, like, those are good for the metrics and good for the soul. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we we know we got UIC on the road and uh, St. Thomas at home just because those are uh, home and homes that were started last season. So we know that much, but it'll be interesting to see what else um, Sonny and his staff come up with. So, um, but that's about all I've got. For today, Jim, anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? You know, there's still, um, best I can tell, the university's Ignite the Future campaign is still open, uh, still operating, still uh, accepting willing participants. And 
I would definitely encourage anybody who was thinking about it or want to see who the coach would be, uh, you know, call up the people in the athletic department, ask for a meeting, go over there, meet the coach. Meet, you know, if you don't know the people in the athletic department, meet them too and get involved. Uh, also, steak fries, the steak fry event is coming up. Ryan, I don't think we took uh, any action on getting that Fear the Phoenix table going. Steak fry. We really need to find like seven or eight other fans of the podcast who are willing to come to the steak fry, buy an individual ticket, and we'll sit together and kind of have a nerd out night. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, that really has to yeah, happen. I love it. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you to, you know, commandeer that and make that happen for us. <laughs> All right. But you heard that, him, people. I, I need your help. <laughs> but if we could do something like that, that would be on the radar. And then the other thing that I would ask, um, you know, of all Phoenix fans, Sundance Wicks may not be the guy that you wanted. Uh, I know when I started this whole process out, you know, in the last podcast, I said Lavelle Jordan was the type of guy I wanted. And then when it got down to the end, you know, I was thinking like, oh, well, John Brandon sounds pretty good. He's literally done the job before at other schools. But I did my research, I did my homework, and it got to the point in the process where by, before they named Coach Wicks the coach, I was actually thinking about it a lot. I'm like, man, I don't want to miss out on this guy. But it took me a little bit of work to get there and a little bit of research. And all I'm asking for anybody saying, hey, you know what, I didn't want Sundance Wicks. I wanted John Tharp or I wanted Ben Johnson or, I, you know, I'm going to wait to see. This is just not a wait-and-see moment anymore for Green Bay basketball. It really isn't. This is a do we all have to do. We all have to, you know, if we care about this and we want to get where it needs to be, like, just come to a game and yell, scream, enjoy, like, uh, act a damn fool. I don't care. But, like, <laughs> get involved in any way that you can. And that, that's my ask for people is don't wait to see if they're going to have success. You know, help them to be successful. So that's uh, that's where I'll leave it with the, uh, you know, new hire and also a, a formal welcome, Coach Wicks. Welcome to Green Bay, even though, Brian, you and I live in Milwaukee. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well said. Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll we'll work to get him on the podcast, right? I'm sure. Oh, yeah. He he has a fun episode to do. He has no no understanding that there is a Fear the Phoenix podcast at this point. And, (laughs) uh, you know, he has also – we will not be denied from having him on (laughs) this podcast. You know, so that's his – that's – Definitely a go. I, I don't even care who I have to talk to. If we have to show up at the office, you know, it's at six in the morning when he's walking in from home, we are going to be there and we're going to stick a mic in his face and make it happen. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it live. I love it. <laughs> Very good. All right, Jim. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. Everyone, uh, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Saro. Give me a follow at Brian Dickman. Also follow at Fear the Phoenix. Let's get some people and let's go to the steak fry together. Let's have a good time. Let's welcome coach Wicks to the program, but uh, that's going to do it for today. Thank you for listening. 